Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. In this podcast, we'll be having a reporter's roundtable where we will discuss the issue of police tactics and the oversight of internal investigations when there are use-of-force complaints involving citizens. But first, here's three things you should know from recent headlines on BeaconJournal.com. The Akron School Board is moving closer to picking its next superintendent. The board's four finalists for the job each paid a visit to Akron just last week. The candidates met with teachers, staff, and students, and also toured facilities. The four finalists are all from outside of the district. A Stark County man is among 150 or so Ohioans who were fully vaccinated from the coronavirus, yet still caught the highly contagious disease. Gordon Broom ended up having to be hospitalized because of the severity of his symptoms. He's just one of a dozen or so vaccinated Ohioans who ended up in the hospital. The 82-year-old diabetic has a heart valve made of pig tissue and multiple cardiovascular procedures in his medical history. Doctors say his recovery could have been made much more difficult if not for the vaccine. This last story is an occasion for a big giant cake, but we might want to skip the candles because we would need 130 of them. Akron's hometown grocery store chain Acme is marking its 130th anniversary. It all started with Frederick W. Albrecht opened his first Albrecht's Grocery on the site where Bookdale, Sumner, and Center Streets intersected in Akron. The chain has since grown to 16 large Acme Fresh market stores that are still owned and operated by the family. BeaconJournal.com and all our apps always feature updated headlines and subscriber-exclusive content that you can't find anywhere else. And now for our Spotlight story, we're joined by Beacon Journal reporters Doug Livingston, Shema Byram, and Sean McDonald. All three have led the Beacon Journal's coverage of social justice protests and police reform in Akron since the death of George Floyd last year. The city is also looking for a new police chief and completing a use-of-force investigation into the recent incident that sparked renewed calls for reform. So welcome, everyone. Good to be here, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hey, Craig. Sean, I, I hear your voice. Um, let's, let's start with you. You serve as our police reporter and, and cover uh, police affairs in the greater Akron region. And, you know, can you briefly recap for us this latest incident that has once again sparked the debate, not only over police tactics, but oversight? So back in February, there was a domestic violence call to a home. Officers showed up, and this is a call that, you know, they may go to hundreds, if not thousands of times a year. You know, Charles Hicks, as we now see in body cam, was speaking with officers on a porch. Officers tried to de-escalate the situation, and when that failed, they went to take him to the ground. Now, body cam shows and the use of force experts we've talked to say that most of what police did that day was correct. But during his arrest, when officers had him on the ground pinned, one officer picked up snow three separate times and shoved it in the man they were arresting's face. Now, the police believe that that blocked his airway. He said that he couldn't breathe. Um, You know, he told us in an interview that it felt like he couldn't breathe for what felt like forever. 
it looks like it, the incident lasted about 15 seconds and was caught on that officer's body cam. Um, now, anytime officers use force, that triggers an investigation. And during that investigation, they found this officer's actions. Um, we didn't find out about this until mid to late March. And on March 30th, this officer turned in his resi- resignation. That sparked us asking questions. And after about a week of records requests and different stories covering the topic, police held a press conference that, you know, showed what the officer did. Police denounced the actions. It, it, we should be clear that Charles Hicks did come out and say that an officer put a knee on his neck. The police department and city have denied that and showed body cam that doesn't show a knee in his neck. His lawyer um, has responded saying, you know, when your face is in the ground and you have people on top of you and someone's shoving snow in your face, it's hard to know exactly what's going on. Saying, you know, was the knee in his back? Was was the knee somewhere else? But the body cam clearly does show the officer shoving snow in Hicks's face, which the police officers or the police department says shouldn't have happened. Now, the investigation into that has not been released. And as far as I know, has not ended yet. So we don't know yet what action the police department would have taken had the investigation finished and he was still an officer. But as of now, Officer Turnier has resigned. And we're awaiting different records to see if there were past incidents of this or, you know, what the the discipline may have been. But that's also, you know, sparked different conversations. The police auditor, Phil Young, didn't know about this incident really until we wrote about it. Body camera did not come out very fast um, at all. You know, if you're comparing this to like what just happened in Chicago, body camera came out, I believe, in a few days. This was about two months after the incident. So it's renewed conversations um, that have been ongoing since last summer about reimagining public safety in Akron. Well, it should be noted that, that they did release, I mean, weren't there 11 different videos, right? So they, they played two videos during the press conference, and they released 11 videos afterwards. We've reviewed all of those videos now um, and also at, reached out to use of force experts to look at them. And again, we have not seen, you know, a knee on the neck or anything of that. We've only seen the snow incident now. Something, you know, we should bring up and, you know, Eddie Sipple and his lawyers brought up is, you know, don't let the knee on the neck not being there be the narrative. Um, You know, he's saying that he's claimed that the city of Akron is trying to use that claim to distract from the news of what happened. But yeah, we have reviewed all 11. Um, we're still waiting on some records in response to the investigation. And it took us about a week to get these records, and it was a little bit of a fight to get them. Um, but after our coverage started rolling, they then called the press conference and, and released them. And Craig, it's important to note that this all happened a couple months after the citizens of Akron voted about 90% to support a charter amendment that would force council to to rewrite city law so that body cam footage has to be released more timely. I think it's the prompt release is how the, the legal language in that is. Council is going to get together in June and put that legislation up for debate, uh, according to the council president. Um, so you've got the majority of the public wanting for quicker release of these videos. And, and in this case, you have the police department not releasing the footage, having an internal investigation being asked for a week or more to release the footage 
and then hastily calling a press conference uh, requiring media to RSVP to that press conference, you know, not shortly after they announced that it was going to happen. And then you have the annotation of two of the 11 officers present. You have an annotation of their videos, their body cam footage. And then a couple hours after the press conference, you have the, the rest of the body cam footage made available to the media. So that's we don't know what this legislation for the more prompt release of, of body camera footage is going to look like. But here we have a, a, an example in the midst of how do we define the prompt release of footage. This is how the police department is handling it today. Well, Doug, you, you raise a good issue, and I re- remind our, our listeners that, that Doug does cover um, Akron City Council for us and, and Akron government. This is not a new topic, right? I mean, we've been police reform has been discussed in Akron long before George Floyd. Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to think, but you know, there wasn't even a complaint process, so citizens couldn't even complain about how they were treated by police or their interactions with police. And and let's be clear, um, you know, police face occupational challenges that the majority of us will never understand, never have to go through um, very challenging scenarios that they're put in. Um, But there was no way for citizens to even complain about their treatment until the late 90s. And they they formed a complaint process. There was no police auditor position until the early 2000s. It took five years to fill that police auditor position after it was created because there was so much back and forth and tension with the union in terms of uh, what was the right person, um, what were his intentions, what authority would he be given. Um, And he really wasn't given much authority. He had staff at the beginning. Uh, His hours were cut. He lost his secretary uh, in the Great Recession. And then coming out of the Great Recession, there was a – a police executive research forum report that said, hey, you guys need to strengthen the police auditor position to add some independent oversight of how police handle their internal investigations and, and the complaint processes. And here we are 10 years after that that PERF report, and, and we're, we're just now hearing counsel in the city in the wake of George Floyd start doing some things to strengthen that auditor's position. And so when Mayor Horgan first ran for mayor in 2015, you know, he told the, the Akron Urban League that he thought that Phil Young, the police auditor, should have a full-time job, that he should have staff, that he should have resources. Fast forward to 2020, Mayor Horgan increases Phil Young's work week from 20 to 30 hours, but he still doesn't have an assistant. So this year, the mayor's uh, racial equity and social justice task force made recommendations in the middle of the 2021 budget negotiations for the city. They said, I think it's time since you guys are hammering out the 2021 operating budget that uh, you increase Phil Young, the police auditor's position, to a true full-time 40-hour work week and give him a full-time assistant. So the mayor made those recommendations to council. Council approved them, and that's where we're at today. Uh, Nearly 20 years after the auditor's position was created, it is now a fully full-time position, 40 hours a work week, 40 hours a week, and uh, and a full-time assistant. Doug, I don't want to interrupt, but but going back to Sean's point, um, didn't he say that, that Mr. Young, that this was kind of news to him, that he hadn't even seen the body cam video himself? Yeah, during the during the debate over police reform, what the city's calling reimagining public safety over the past year, we've heard from Phil Young, police auditor, talk about his struggles to get documents and body cam footage from the police department as he looks over these internal investigations after the fact. So he often receives a report that an internal investigation was completed. Here's the outcome. And so he's checking the facts, oftentimes many months, maybe a year after the incident is over. Um, he's not timely notified of the complaints 
that are issued against police. He's not timely notified of when a, somebody files a lawsuit against the police department or an officer. And, and so these are all kind of the next level debate over strengthening the police auditor's position. So now council is moving into a discussion around what access, what authority should be scribed into the city charter so that the police auditor can point to that city law and say, no, I have the right to access databases for police records, complaints, body cam footage. Right now, there is nothing in the city law that gives the independent police auditor any more right to access police documents than you or I, Craig. So he has as much visibility as the public. And so city council is looking at giving him a little bit more teeth to get to crack into the records. And and something we should note, I mean, so Akron police do have a process to investigate these things. So there was ever, there wasn't a complaint filed by Mr. Hicks. There wasn't something else that triggered the investigation. You know, this investigation gets triggered anytime there's a use of force. They look at body cam. They go through to make sure that use of force was correct. And officers have to report almost every use of force they, they use that's physical. The issue is when does the public find out about it and when does the police auditor find out about it? Because, you know, we were asking up until, you know, before we published that Charles Hicks was claiming and he was on his neck, you know, before we published that the officer resigned, can we see body cam? Can we see records? Can we even get the incident report? Um, we didn't even have the police report until really late into the day when we wrote about that resignation. And then with that police report, the city then put a press release out. So, I mean, there is there is a process to go ahead and look at these uses of force. The, the issue is when does the public get notified and does the police auditor get notified before then? I mean, as Doug said right now, Phil Young's in the same position I am when I'm trying to get records. And yep. from what he's told us, he's had the same difficulties. I guess you'll be noted, Sean, that, that and for those who are listening and, and not in the, the news business, I mean, you don't wait months for police reports, right, Sean? Generally, no. I mean, so police reports and 911 calls are considered initial evidence. There's something that can be released and are supposed to be released pretty promptly. Now, promptly is a legal term and there's no set time that they have to release them, but they're expected to be released pretty much as soon as they can be. Dash camera used to be considered that way. Body camera is still up in the air. And they have exemptions that lets them not release body camera um, until an investigation is complete. They can choose to release it. And it wasn't until we published our two stories that they chose to release it before the investigation was finished. And that's something that issue two strips away those exemptions. They haven't debated which exemptions yet. But the whole idea is right now body camera is in a place where the city can choose whether or not they release it. Issue two would take away some of those choices of when they can hold it back. Craig, there's been previous cases of the public complaining about a police officer's conduct. And I've, I've approached the former police chief, Ken Ball, and said, hey, can you show me the footage in this case? Can you provide it for me? And uh, he, he has told me it's at the discretion of the police chief whether or not that footage would be made available to anybody in the public. So I've spent time, I've, I've sat in a chair beside his desk in the office as he pulled up body cam footage and showed it to me, but wouldn't let me take notes or record it or give me a copy of it when I left the office. So the rules around when to release body cam footage, 
who gets access to it. They're not clearly defined, and and we're getting pretty inconsistent responses in terms of case by case whether or not the body cam footage would be released in full or or just uh, redacted or deleted. And now the strategy lately has been, you know, let's hold a press conference as the police department and show it. And in some ways that's good because you have police who are there, you know, who can explain what happened. You know, obviously somebody viewing it may not see it in the same light, but, you know, the public is is waiting and, and these releases generally don't happen until after stories by us and other news outlets have been published. It's, it's one of the reasons we ask for body cam early. It's not just so we can have it, so we can verify claims. You know, if somebody claims misconduct and the body cam doesn't show that, that's a tool police could use to say, hey, look, we have proof this didn't happen. But right now, even, you know, with the knee claim in this case, they didn't release it until after that came out to the public. Well, speaking of the public, I, I guess this is how it could be kind of, confusing for 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 some because you know we, we're all over the place right i mean chicago released and i'm not sure the exact timeline of, of a recent uh incident there in a more timely manner and then and i guess that brings me to you shama and i and i think you have a an interesting perspective and and i don't want to talk too much insider baseball but but you know your, your role at the beacon is is somewhat unique right in in what you do and and kind of what your charge um with your beat so maybe share a little bit about what your beat is and, and how it kind of fits into to this coverage for us. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm covering uh, Akron's Black and immigrant minority communities and the issues they care about. And you know, given that Black communities are at the center of conversations around police reform, um, I've had the opportunity to speak with uh, local leaders here in here in Akron, um, as well as activists, and um, to just return back to the conversation about releasing the, the release of, of body cam footage, um, I just wanted to point out something that the Reverend Ray Green Jr., um, executive director of the Freedom Block here in Akron, said he he pointed out that, you know, even even though body cam footage release is technically against APD's policy, he pointed to an example in January 2020 when the police department released body cam footage that the department said uh, exonerated the the shooting of uh, 19-year-old Elijah Cade, um, who officers said was unarmed but taking a shooting stance. And so um, I just want to read a quote from, from Ray Green um, about that. He said, they released it to show that they were not at fault against the policy. At that time, the policy stated that the body camera shouldn't be released until after the investigation. They released it before the investigation was over. They could release it with this investigation. Of course, he's referring to the the investigation into use of force um, against uh, Charles Hicks. So I, I wanted to um, mention that, you know, I think what, what I'm hearing from community members is uh, disappointment, frustration. The Reverend Greg Harrison, who's a retired police officer, Akron police officer, said we are losing confidence. And, um, you know, and it's not just over the incident itself, but also uh, the police department's approach and conduct during that press conference that uh, Doug referred to. Um, there was also outcry from council members and community leaders in the lead up to the press conference, uh, pressuring the city to release that body cam footage. Judy Hill, president of the NAACP, re- remarked on the, the uh, defensive tone of the press conference. 
she said that, you know, it, it seemed to her uh, to be a press conference, um, not so much, you know, motivated by, you know, the spirit of engaging with the community in a meaningful way and taking responsibility, but rather um, uh, an example of the police department being quite defensive. Um, she raised the issue with the fact that, you know, it was not open to the public and to community leaders. Press, as Doug mentioned, were given very little notice to um, RSVP in order to attend. And like others, Judy Hill questioned how and why this police officer was given the opportunity to resign before the investigation came to a close. And she wondered, you know, what kind of message does this send? Uh, I mentioned uh, the Reverend uh, Greg Harrison. Um, he he referred to this case as an example of the city not fulfilling its promise of accountability to residents. You know, like others, he 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 believes that the the city could have easily released that footage back in February. And so for Harrison, it's the disconnect between the city's stated mission and, you know, mission and commitment to transparency and how, how the city actually handled this case. That's alarming. And another thing he said, um, and it's a, it's a message I heard from several people is, you know, being pro-community does not make us anti-police. And so he was sort of challenging that narrative of, you know, black people becoming, you know, upset or, or, or being uh, or, or being portrayed as being anti-police whenever we have these kinds of conversations. Shame, I, I have a follow-up question. I mean, you're, you're having conversations, and, and you hate to speak in broad terms, but but the sense that you have is is there a distrust of the police department among minority community in Akron? Well, I mean, um, you know, I will say <laughs> I'll say this. I think these kinds of cases we can trust. That's the impression I've definitely um, gotten. Another thing that another you know comment that came up is um, I believe it was it was the former chief Ken Ball had made a comment um, several months ago it may have been last fall correct me if I'm wrong Doug where he said that you know what happens in in Minneapolis doesn't happen here and so um, you know th- this particular case with Mr Hicks Pastor Harrison you know asked you know asked the question. You know, he said they used this video to dispute that the knee was was uh, on the neck, blocking the airways just as bad as a knee on your neck. And he referred to what happened to Mr. Hicks as effectively, you know, an officer effectively waterboarding him with snow. And so, um, you know, the questions he asked is, 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 you know, I think when you release the body cam footage, the citizens, we have to make the decision. Is that better than a knee? And so, you know, I think a lot of people are pushing back against this idea that these kinds of um, incidents can't happen in Akron. And the sense I get is, is that a lot of concerning incidents may not be reported to, they just may not be reported. Um, and I think the question of the police auditor is really important here. There is a lot of concern about the integrity of this police, the police department investigating itself, essentially. And so, um, this case also for many people is a reminder, is an example, um, is a poster case for why, why we do need a strong, independent police auditor. And this leads us to, I guess, the, the final question. And I guess it's for all of you and maybe take it at your own pace and, and your own, uh, just chime in. Where, where do we go from here? I mean, is, is this a beginning? Is this an end? Is this a, just one more chapter in a, in a very, very long book? Craig, the broader goal of this police reform discussion that the city and the nation are having is to increase trust in what police do so that community can be a partner in, in what police do for the community. 
So we, we look at unsolved homicides. We look at uh, nuisance crimes. We look at property crimes. These things go unsolved unless the community can help police solve them. And so the goal is to to not necessarily get police in trouble whenever possible. Um, advocates for police reform have told us um, time and again over the past year that they want to be a partner with police. Um, so the goal of, of making sure that the practice of policing is transparent, it's accessible, that the public has a, a voice uh, in the process is to build that community trust so that when somebody does get shot, when we continue to see a record number of, of homicides and shootings in the city, that people come forward and these issues are solved before they before they get any further out of control. And I think that's a really important point that Doug mentioned. Um, the the trends here in Akron with um, unsolved homicides are um, on par with the national average, and and experts refer to. Um, solve rates as a as a good barometer of the relationship between law enforcement and the communities they serve. Um, if if black people or people living in black neighborhoods trusted the police and felt comfortable approaching them, then, you know, more would come forward when they know of, you know, a particular incident. And and just anecdotally from conversations with leaders here and with residents, um, people know a lot more than than the police department knows, it seems. Something we should should clarify is that we do have a better solve rate than the national average, um, at least over the last few years. But, yeah, no, police will talk about building those bridges with the communities and all, you know, recent stories about some of these unsolved homicides. You know, the detectives have told me, you know, their relationship with the community is is how they solve these things. And, look, I mean, it's a tough job. Knowing what happened and being able to arrest somebody and, and put them in court and get the justice the family deserves are two different things. I mean, you know, cases have to be bulletproof. You know, I've talked to detectives and talked with, with the family of Symphony Smith, and, you know, there's a lot of thing, information out there in the community. But the problem in that case was, you know, the right people who can not only tell police what happened but testify in court – were afraid to come forward and they still haven't come forward and building bridges is how you know detectives who have really good solve rates here tell me that they they solve these cases and you know it's not just a trend here it is a trend nationally we're we're seeing these issues arise all over the country and you know it, it's something that police departments are going to have to confront you know whether or not they have a, you know this this sentiment that you know what happens in Minneapolis doesn't happen here in Akron, you know, councilmen and other people have come against that. But even if it does happen there, it's still going to damage trust here. So the, the more trust they can build, the better. And I mean, again, in this case, there was an accountability process. They did find out the officer did this on their own, but they didn't tell anybody about it and they weren't transparent once questions were asked. And Craig, you yeah. asked well, what's what's next. I just want to give you a couple of dates that we want to look forward to. Um, April 23rd this week uh, is the deadline for the new chief of police candidates to turn in their resumes. So we'll have a decision on that in the next month or so. And then uh, the University of Akron has picked up where city council has left off with these discussions on reimagining public safety. 
So there's University of Akron um, professors and students who are convening the public and officers, getting their input as council moves towards discussion and into the legislative uh, arena. And then by December 31st of this year, the mayor appointed a racial equity and social justice task force, which has a criminal justice subcommittee, will come forward with all of their recommendations on racial equity. Um, so those are just three three issues that are going on and will continue to go on throughout 2021. Well, I want to thank you all for your diligent work in covering this very important issue. And this is certainly a, a topic and, and an issue that we will continue to cover by you and others on our staff. That's all we have today for the Now You Know Akron podcast. Be sure to join us again next week. Episodes are released every Wednesday wherever you download your favorite podcast and also available on BeaconJournal.com and all of our various apps. We urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, we thank you. Until next week, Now You Know Akron.